This is the Frogs of War podcast, talking to you live from Punchbowl Social. Fort Worth, West 7th Street, the place where I hear all of the kids hang out these 1100 days. 1100 Street? Yeah, be really careful. This is a family-friendly a, show. Yeah, I don't that's know. A, that's a get-you-fired word if you say that word the wrong way. How do you say that the street name here? F-O-C-H. Falk. Falk? Or is it Folk? Folk? Let's go with Folk, just to folk? be Just to, to be, be safe. extra safe? Yeah, just yeah, to be extra safe. Well, anyways, I'm Jamie Plunkett. Melissa Treewasser. And we are here. We are the Frogs War Podcast live from the Punchbowl Social, a new home for the Frogs War Podcast this fall. We'll be here about once a month recording a live show, so feel free to come out at 6.30 on Monday. Uh, next, uh, I guess October will be our next show. Yeah, we'll have yeah. a date down the road for that. Um, but this is we're a, excited this is a, to be here. Yeah, awesome venue, great food and drink. Uh, they're taking great care of us, so we certainly would love to have you all be a part of the next live show. Uh, but new date. New location, a lot of changes here. Uh, yeah. Hopefully these changes all precede a big win on the road for the TCU Horn Frogs. Yes, because uh, after a bye week early in the season, or as Gary Patterson would say, a get better week. Did you see that? I did Today, not see that. That's good. Uh, on the Monday Big 12 conference call, Patterson said, there are no bye weeks earlier in the season. There are just get better weeks. And so TCU had a get better week, and now it's game week. Purdue, we're heading up to West Lafayette, yep. Western Lafayette. Western Lafayette, yes, the Western Zach, yeah. Uh, to face the Purdue Boilermakers one and one We're going to get into the details of that game in just a little bit. But first, Facebook people, if you have questions, drop them in the comments. We're going to answer those throughout the night as we go. And we're going to record this podcast live here at Punchbowl Social. We're going to start, though, by going through week two news, talk about what happened around the Big 12. Melissa, you went on an adventure. I did. This weekend, so we're going to talk a little bit about that, too. But there's really no better place to start than with a little bit of Texas schadenfreude. Always. It's always a good place to start. Always a great place to start. Thank you so much. Um, Texas lost to LSU on Saturday night, 45-37. to The Tigers come in to Daryl K. Royal Memorial Stadium, and they take on defensive back university, and Joe Burrow throws for 450 yards and five touchdowns. Looks like Tom Brady out there against DBU. Uh, did you see my tweet, by the way, about DBU on Saturday night? It's not Texas. No. It's it not isn't. LSU. No. It it's is that small Baptist, Baptist university. university nestled next to that beautiful lake in Grand Prairie, Texas, Dallas Baptist University. Let's not forget that there is a real DBU out there. And apparently on Saturday night, it wasn't Texas or... LSU. Yeah, and I, and I think that there was a lot of surprise there. You know, you talk about these mighty, vaunted SEC defenses and these, you know, Big 12 air raid shootout teams, and we mm-hmm. thought maybe one of these two things would have to give, but what it turns out is everything gave, and it, it was just an up-and-down Literally game. All of it. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, I mean, give credit to Texas. Uh, they were able to really move the ball well against the Tigers. Um, they, they did a lot of positive things on the offensive side of the ball, but also really showcased a few flaws, namely mm-hmm. in the running game. And that secondary looked like a wet paper towel most of the night against Joe Burrow, who is not the say, best quarterback that they're going to see yeah, this year. Did not come into the not season the as a Heisman candidate and sure did look like one Saturday night. Mm-hmm. He did. And to his credit, he's probably gotten better. And he has all kinds of weapons at wide receiver. Terrace Marshall, Jamar Chase. A couple of guys that could have been Horn Frogs. Uh, at least one of them probably should have been a Horn Frog if it wasn't or should have been a Horn Frog if it wasn't for the NFL Network. Jamar, we miss you. We love you. Come home. We wish you were in a different shade of purple. Yeah. Um, but it re- realistically, that game showed me exactly what I 
thought I would see out of that Texas team, and that's that Sam Ellinger is a really good quarterback. I don't yeah. think that we've – I've been really hard on him the past few seasons. Uh, I don't know exactly what my expectations were for him coming into this season. I didn't think he was going to be like – a top-tier Heisman potential kind of quarterback, but I thought he was going to be a very good quarterback that was going to lead a competent Texas offense. And for the most part, we saw that on Saturday night. But we also saw a defense that missed eight starters from last year. Yeah. And, you know, they've got a ton of talent in that secondary with guys like Caden Stearns um, and B.J. Foster. But Who is out for a couple of weeks now. Yes, we out today. he got dinged up in that game. Uh but in, the, the reality is is that they're probably not where, where everybody wants them to yeah. be. They're definitely not where Todd Orlando wants them to be yet as a secondary. Well, and as good as that Sam Ellinger was and that Texas offense is supposed to be, they still failed to score twice within the five-yard line against that SC, the, the SEC LSU defense. defense. Well, and one, let's be, one was a brutally, brutally dropped open, yeah. like miles and miles of wide-open territory sure. dropped pass in the end zone. The other one, though, they just got stuffed. Well, and what we're seeing with this Texas team is the concern going into it is what does that offensive line look like having lost a few starters to the NFL as well? And mm-hmm. also, what does that run game look like? And uh, Keontae Ingram was supposedly had been hurt, but he bounced back and was able to play. There were rumors that he might be out for a little while. But at the end of the day, um, Sam Ellinger cannot be the end-all be-all for a Texas team when you're facing teams that see this program every single year. Right. And so they're going to need to find a way to verify their – or uh, to, to vary what they're doing offensively and to, to get enough of a run game going to take some of the pressure off of Ellinger when teams mm-hmm. are able to actually slow them down, unlike this SEC team, which had no answer for the no, Longhorns. No answer for the Until, Longhorns. I guess they had the one they needed. They, yep. They did, as, they did as much as they needed to do to get the win, and, and you know, LSU looks like they're a potential legitimate threat in the SEC West this year, and that's yeah. kind of neat. But let's talk for a second about hospitality, because, you know, TCU has done a tremendous amount uh, I think to be welcoming to opposing fans mm-hmm. over the years. Now they've done this thing this year where they moved the ban up into the 400s, which they got from Texas. They, they stole that from Texas. <laughs> Whatever, it, you know, they, Texas did it to us first, so I guess sure. all's fair in the yeah. war. Um, but reports came out early this week that there was no air conditioning in the visiting locker room for LSU, and they knew that going in, so they brought big like fans to help kind of cool the locker room down. But they knew that because they talked to Louisiana Tech coaches, and Louisiana Tech coaches said that last week was the same thing. There was no AC in the visitors' locker room. Is this just like a two-week-in-a-row hiccup for Texas, or are they really not air-conditioning the visiting locker room? And how trashy is that? It's incredibly trashy. Um, I'm all for gamesmanship. I'm all for putting the band in the upper sections, things like that. Like, like To me, that's all well and good and fun. But at the end of the day, you're asking these football players in these cleats and uniforms. It was an incredibly hot day in South Texas and Austin. Um, not right. providing the basic need of air conditioning in Texas in August, September is... It's a is, very garbage thing. It's a real garbage move. And, you know, Del Conte has done a lot to really up the game day environment down there. And we saw that. I mean, they mm-hmm. really showed out for game day. I thought that they put on they put on a great show and, dem- like, represented their fan base well. But to not take care of a basic need, which in Texas air conditioning is absolutely a need, uh, that's a garbage move by the Longhorns. They need to be better than that, in my opinion. Yeah, and Keith on... Just Keith Robinson commented on the Facebook page, uh, let's turn the heaters on in SMU's locker room. Uh, I'm fine with that. <laughs> no, it's one thing when it's Texas. It's another thing when it's, yeah. you, know, you, you I'm just, kidding. You can't we shouldn't be, do that. You can't be an elite-level program and 
be that disrespectful to your opponents really coming can't. in. Like that that to me just is Well there's it. a difference in like gamesmanship. Have and a crappy just locker room. Player safety. Yeah. By all means have a garbage locker room. Yeah. Let it be kind of smelly and dirty and dingy mm-hmm. and small. That's all well and good. Doesn't but need to be a five star hotel yeah. in there. It doesn't need to have sleeping pods or anything like no. that. No. But it, but needs, it, needs, to have it AC. needs air conditioning when yeah. you're in Austin in, in early September. Sure. Um, yeah, we've talked about Texas takeaways already, and that's plenty about UT, I think, at this point. But let's dance around the Big 12 for a little bit. Kansas sucks. Yeah, thank goodness. They lost to Coastal Carolina, yeah. so they are not 2-0 and in the Les Miles era. Um, even Les Miles couldn't prevent them from losing a game like that. Now, now let's let's go ahead and say this up front, too, is nobody, I think our friend Ace uh, Gagnon put this in Twitter, but nobody should ever play Coastal Carolina in anything, period. Uh, TCU fans have some experience with seeing the Chanticleers rise up and win a game they shouldn't, just not in football. I didn't even know they had a football program, if we're being really honest. I so, didn't know we were going to go there. But yeah, I mean, I feel place. like it's, it's the fair thing to do. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, it's the same old Kansas. They don't have a good quarterback. Um, they got Puka back, and he did not look like he could carry that program. The defense nope. um, wasn't bad, but at the end of the day, if you want to be taken seriously, if you want to be considered a, a potential bowl team, that's a game you absolutely have to win. I mean, this was yep. a Kansas program that was talking trash in the offseason, mm-hmm. which is the first time I can remember since, like, the early 2000s. And since they go Orange out Bowl. and, yeah, they, uh, they, they win they their first could. game by a score against yep. an overmatched opponent. And then they Indiana go and they State. drop a game to a program that most people probably didn't know existed before they beat Kansas. I will say, give the chance some credit. Their post-game locker room celebration, A+. I didn't see it. Was uh, they, it dancing? they came in. They said to, I think, something, get off their house. But they had they had brought a uh, paper mache uh, pinata okay. in the shape of a Jayhawk. Is that better or worse than Mac Brown dancing? Nothing is better than Mac Brown dancing. That's... That's what I hoped you would yeah, say. It, That's what I hoped you would say. Meanwhile, Mac, Mac Brown is a genuinely good dude in college I love football him. from everything I hear. I love him. It's fun that UNC is good. I love that he got back to North Carolina and immediately turned to one of his quarterbacks and said, you're a defensive end now. Yeah, and it worked. It did. Yeah, and, and did. We, could, we could very well see UNC Texas in the Camping World Bowl, mm-hmm. and I don't think anyone would hate that. I would be, be opposed. It would be great for college football. It would be fantastic. Uh, dancing around the rest of the Big 12 here, Kansas State, Baylor, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Texas Tech beat their lesser opponents by a total of 297 Yeesh. to 45. Yeah. Big 12 is back, baby. Back. Yeah. So back. And then the last question that I have in this segment is how bad is West Virginia? That's concerning. I mean, you knew that this was a rebuild going in. to 7 was the final score there. This, this is, is and, and it, they shouldn't have scored. I mean, Mizzou had them no. on the ropes the entire game, and they kind of just got a lucky touchdown there at the end. Or yeah. I mean, not lucky, but they got a little garbage time. Um, mm-hmm. You can't be upset if you're an Ears fan right now um, because they had so many people defect from the program. But, man, you got to be second-guessing, wanting so badly to run off Dana Holgerson at this point. I mean, I don't know that. I think Dana had peaked. You know, there Possibly. But there's also this – there's always this want to take the next step and go to the next level, and you get dissatisfied with what you have. I think TCU fans have done a really good job of not getting there mentally yeah. uh, in the Gary Patterson era because I think there are several times where you could have gotten really frustrated really quickly with one losing season and said, all right, now he's officially in the hot seat. And then, Well, we you know, see that in the Facebook happens. comments all the time, but that's well, beside the point. That's why you never read the comments. Yeah, never read Facebook never comments. Never read the comments. But 
you know, I, I still I think it's it's too early to write off. Is it Neil Brown, their new head coach? Yeah, and he's going to be a great. I think great you know, coach. With any kind of coaching, there's going to be turnover. There are going to be guys leaving the program, and I think you just kind of chalk up the first season under a new head coach. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be less than ideal, and you just hope that he gets his guys in here quickly and, and turns the ship around. Um, but for now, West Virginia is bad. Yeah, they're really bad. And, and at this point, you start to look at where are their winnable games in conference. Kansas? Because Kansas yep. State looks like a world beater. Kansas State has scored 100 points in two games. Yeah. I remember when they were upset about getting their new coach. All right, so I just said that about West Virginia. And I know Kansas State hasn't really played anybody right home about, but they've scored 100 points and given up, I think, seven. Yeah, that's a, that's one of those situations where you don't necessarily care about who they played. They've been so dominant and impressive that, yeah. that there's reason for concern if that's a team on your schedule. It just so happens they're it on ours. is a team on our schedule. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, so West Virginia is bad. The rest of the Big 12, I think, jury is still out. And then this just popped up today. I wanted to talk about it really quickly, Melissa, hmm. uh, because the University of Alabama yep. is known for its struggles, known for being an under-recognized and under-appreciated yeah. program. They, really, um, they have it hard. And so today, when it was announced that their game against Southern Miss was going to be a daytime kickoff game at home, they felt the need, uh, and they being uh, President Bell and Athletic Director Greg Byrne, to release a statement about how disappointed they were. And this is what it says. We are disappointed that our game against Southern Miss has been selected as a daytime kickoff at home. We realize we've played more non-conference day games at home in September than any other SEC team since 2014. There have been a number of conversations with our conference office, and they also recognize the challenges these kick times present to our student athletes and fans. You just hate to see it. You hate to see it. Um, I wish that somebody would give Alabama an advantage every once in a while. They just, you know, they could use a leg up. Yeah, it's it's got to be tough to be to be that program. I don't know how they get by Sometimes on a daily it's basis. Just too difficult to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's it's play somebody. You know, like that's my thing is is if TCU's season opening game had been an 11 a.m. kickoff against Arkansas Pine Bluff, fine. You're playing Arkansas Pine Bluff. TCU SMU is a 2:30 kickoff. Fine. Mm-hmm. It's I mean SMU actually looks pretty be decent, hot. but. But, you know, melt. Yeah, but but that's the way that it goes. But it's um, SMU. Yeah. Bama can't complain about playing daytime games. They don't get every night game every week. That's just not the way that it needs to work. Did you know, this is a fun fact, that Alabama has played two true non-conference road games since Nick Saban got there as the head coach? Wow. They played a bunch of neutral side sure. games in their defense, right? Like Duke and Atlanta, that's not like – a pushover, well, kind of is a pushover it's game, pushover, but they've yeah. played big non-conference games before on neutral sites. They've come to Dallas a few times. They've been in Atlanta a few times. Like, they've done that. So credit to them there. They have basically never gone on the road to play a team in non-conference. Like, you would never catch them at Daryl K. Royal Memorial no. Stadium and playing University of Texas. Or up in West Lafayette at whatever their stadium is called, playing Purdue. I think that's it. That is what it's called. It's whatever, <laughs> whatever their stadium. Is whatever stadium. Uh, they've, they've been talking trash, so it's, it's only fair that we turn it's it fine. about a little bit. Yeah, it's fine. Um, yeah, you just hate to see it for a 
an embattled program like the University yeah, of Alabama. It's got to be tough. But, Melissa, let's get into this before we get to our first break. Uh, you went to the USC-Stanford game. You celebrated a birthday uh, over the weekend. And I want to hear not really so much about the USC-Stanford game because, frankly, <laughs> not I could much care to less. Talk about, yeah. I, I, I couldn't care less. Grammatical correction Thank you. there. Um, and I think most of our listeners couldn't care less either. But you had some interesting tweets that I wanted to get into, and we're going to play a comparison game here. I would like for you to compare for me and for all of our listeners the fan experience that you had at USC versus the fan experience that people talked about at TCU's first game this year. So the first thing I want to say is that, again, let's give a ton of credit to what Crystal Conte built, what Jeremiah Donati has built upon, what the TCU game day staff has done. Um, I think we take for granted how great of a in-stadium experience TCU provides. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that having been to quite a few stadiums across the country. Um, yeah. I, I went brag. to USC. That's a, I, I guess we consider them a blue blood program, correct? Or at least a super elite program. USC, for sure. Yeah, they're top sure. tier. And it is a coliseum that the NFL plays in. Uh-huh. And it is one of the worst in-game environments I've ever seen. Like, let's Same not more. even talk about the fans, first right, of let's all, start, who are right, so terrible. Let's, let's break it down. Let's okay. go, like... I don't know, category by category. Okay. Uh, concessions. Let's start with concessions. Um, they had some interesting options, but there's no real rhyme or reason to where things are. They just It was like they dropped a bunch of stands across the stadium. Okay. And um, like I said, some cool options, you know, mm-hmm. some tacos and a bit of street food, but nothing really to write home about. Basically, your very basic stadium food. With two or three interesting things thrown in. Okay. Not anything great. My my diet Pepsi that I got, because I do not sell beer in that stadium, um, looked like it had had a big sip taken out of it and was very flat. Nice. So, so far, and the flat kettle corn was fine. diet Pepsi. Yeah, so, so far we're... So, it's a Pepsi stadium, Yeah, it's a Pepsi stadium. So, are, we are a, as well, correct, yeah. Fair enough. So, right. that's that's that. Saying, so, saying disparaging so we're going, about we're going big check mark there, TCU. Uh, timeout or break in the game fan entertainment. Zero. Literally nothing. Literally nothing. There was no, no riffram videos. No riffram videos. No kiss cam. No dance cam. They would put people on the screen. The you screen. know where we should. I have had an idea. We can enhance the TCU fan experience and the USC fan experience at the same time. Okay, tell me more. By giving them the Snackwords cam. Good. Done. They can you have got it. it. It's yours. We don't need it anymore. And then the USC fans can watch themselves eat food in reverse. They they had some really bad, like, player pump-up videos that every time a video showed on a screen in an NFL stadium, the audio was out of sync. Every single time. That's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. So that was bad. Um, Can we talk about fan, uh, opposing fan seating? For, for Stanford fans, sure. since you were in that section? Since I was in that section. Um, so we don't give necessarily the best fans to our stadium, but I can promise you this, that the seats point towards the action. Because that <laughs> is not the case at the Coliseum. You are pointing straight this direction, and the game is over here. Because it's a big bowl. So you're like 45 yeah, you Yeah, like I literally like tweaked my back having to turn to watch the action. It, and, and it's not a – the field does not sit in the middle of the stadium. And they put the opposing fans way far down next to the band, which is on risers, metal risers. And there's this, like, whole, like, club area that kind of reminds me of what TCU has at the baseball stadium where people are just, like, hanging out and chilling, like, on field level, and they can't see anything. So what you're saying is that there's no, like, synced-up video to watch. There's no 
timeout entertainment. Concessions are like bare minimum. Seating doesn't even face the product. And so the thing that they've paid the most attention to then is those fake jerseys in the sands where nobody sits. Yes, uh, that was really cool. Well, there's they're missing one. Reggie Bush. (laughs) I wonder why. I'm just saying, put yeah. Reggie on the put Reggie on there. Now, now I will say the dude on the horse running up and down the sidelines and like it's stabbing a, it's a the woman sword. Now, isn't it's it? a, I don't know if it They're was their first. It's the first female, uh, whatever. Okay. In USC I, history, I couldn't I see because they were down on the far end of the field, and I was facing my friends across from me in the. I uh, think seats. I'm right. Hang yeah, on, I'm googling that. Um, but the, it, that was cool, and the, the flame comes on. So that was all well and good and everything. Um, yeah. Also, I heard four first gunshots. female drum major. That's really cool. So it's yeah. the first time in USC history that that was actually a woman doing that, which is kind of neat. Yeah, but, that's very cool. You know, um, and then cool. I heard four gunshots waiting for my Uber. Awesome. So, yeah. So all so in all. you had the full L.A. experience. I did. I had the full L.A. experience. Okay. So all in all, I'm going to give it um, a 3 out of 10. It's would, like SMU's it stadium is better. Would do it again? And that's an NFL stadium. That's what really blew me away the whole time. Who plays there? The which, which, uh, Rams. Rams. Do they fill that thing? There's no way they no fill way. that thing, right? No, you at SC did The Chargers don't fill yeah. a soccer stadium right no. now, right? No, the Chargers, like, I don't think, could fill our location here at Punchbowl Social, the Chargers fans. So. I feel like that was a cell phone. Yeah. Anywho. Um, Let's do this great thing where we take a break, and then we're going to get into TCU football, their get better week, and what we hope they got better with uh, on their bye week, and talk a little bit about expectations for the next week. We'll be right back. Facebook, this is weird for you, but we're back even though we never never went away, really. Um, And so we're going to talk a little bit about the Get Better Week that TCU just had. Melissa, we've analyzed and probably overanalyzed TCU's game against Arkansas Pine Bluff a couple weeks ago, 39-7 victory, a lot of things to improve upon. Tell me one thing that you're really hoping that TCU has gotten better at during their Get Better Week. Um, Play calling. Okay. That's where I want to go first. Um, Yeah. There are a lot of question marks, and we also have no idea what the game plan was as far as what the game plan will be going forward. Sure. Um, you know, I was I was talking to, to our friend Travis, the site manager at Hammer and Rails, Purdue site, and mm-hmm. I was filling out the Q&A, and, and I told him that we saw the vanilla offense but got no promise that there was any cookies and cream coming. No. So um, I, I think that, that what I'm hoping – what I'm hoping beyond hope – is that there's a big bag of tricks that didn't get opened very purposefully. Maybe they could call Kellen Moore, the Dallas Cowboys' new offensive yeah, coordinator, he and looked, say, hey, uh, could we just have, like, the first three pages of your p- playbook? Yeah, that, you watched just that game in comparison, three. and it was— And I know, like, that's it's an NFL offense versus a college offense. But the things that they were doing— Not anything too complicated like groundbreaking no, new things. not at all. It was just, hey, we're going to do two things at once. We're going to put someone in motion and then do an RPO. We're going to pull a guard and then run in the opposite direction. Like, it's not ground, it's not new, it's not overly creative, it's just just enough yeah. to, like, keep a defense on their toes. Yeah, I feel like if you you have all of this talent on the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. We don't know a whole lot about the quarterbacks at this situation, but we know that we have a couple of senior running backs who have proven that they can 
perform in big games. Yes. We have a couple of young running backs who Gary Patterson has said are going to play this year because yes. they have the talent to do they it. They might not redshirt. Yeah. We, yeah. we have one of the best wide receivers in the country mm-hmm. who is not just a wide receiver, but a guy who makes plays every time he touches the football. Yep. And then we have a host of capable tight ends, a host of capable wide receivers, mm-hmm. one or two that potentially have star power there too, and yeah. an offensive line that is really seasoned and really, really consistent. There mm-hmm. has to be more that can be done, and I'm really hoping that we didn't see it in week one because they didn't that's want it on it. film. If that's it, I'm going to have to amend a ton of season predictions that yeah. I have made. Yeah, no, yeah. If that's what we have, then then this is a eight-win team. Like, I am naturally an overly optimistic person. Mm-hmm. I know that about myself. I let it get out of control sometimes. I know that I've said that on record that TCU is going to the Sugar Bowl this year. That will not happen No. if the offense that rolled out against Arkansas Pine Bluff continues to roll out. It just won't. Uh, And I agree. And on that note also, one of the things that I hope the TCU got better at this year or this week is ball security because I think that helps with the confidence that a play caller has in their offense when things are happening like a receiver is catching the pass. You know, we've talked at length already about Delton versus Duggan. And I think I said last week during the podcast that Delton's numbers, I think the argument for Delton would be a lot different had those first quarter passes been caught instead of dropped. You know, Rager had a big drop. Darius Davis had a big drop. Uh, Trey Heights had that huge fumble. Or maybe we have a rushing touchdown from Delton on the books or a passing touchdown from Delton on the books. Um, You know, things could have been different had the ball been held on to same thing goes for muffing punts and for fumbling the football. You know, you have to take care of the ball. If, the, if you're not doing the most basic thing that football requires, why would your coaches trust you to do some of the more creative stuff? So I hope that they got better at holding on to the football. I would not mind if, you know, the movie Friday Night Lights where they, Tim McGraw's yeah. character, like, roughly in like an almost so all right let me amend this i hope that it was done in a in a not child abusey way where like they just taped footballs to everybody and said you hold on to this all week yeah and you don't drop it and if you drop it you don't play like just hold on to the football for the love of god we, we've seen these fumble issues in the past with tcu players um i don't think that what we saw in week one is an accurate representation of what tcu is going to do this season yes. But if they called extra conservative because of what they were seeing, then, you know, it's, it's hard to argue that that was the right move. Yeah. And Keith on Facebook comments, he says, stop throwing that wide receiver screen. It never works. I agree. It would work, though, if, one, receivers would block consistently. And, two, if we ran other things that weren't wide receiver screens yeah. to throw the defense off. Sure. Because right now it feels like they're just keying on the screen. They're like, all right, it's either going to be a run or it's going to be a pass within 10 yards. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's too easy to, to see what's coming when you know exactly what's coming. Yeah. What else do you hope they got better at this week? Um, well, you know, we've, we've heard all this talk about this defensive line coming into the season, mm-hmm. and we knew we got Ross Blacklock back, and we knew Corley Bethley had already proven that he's kind of a beast, and we didn't see a whole lot of pressure uh, against University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. We didn't, no. we didn't see guys getting into the One backfield. Sack, two sacks? Yeah, and again, like, you know, let's give them the benefit of the doubt that I'm sure that it, the one thing we know is going to be good is the defensive play calling. It almost always oh, yeah. is. 
Yeah. And so I think it's easy to assume that maybe mm-hmm. that was Patterson very purposefully keeping that super, super bland. That's um, fair. I think that we'll see a lot more creativity um, against Purdue on that side of the ball. But at the end of the day, um, guys like Parker Workman and uh, O'Shawn Mathis and Shamik Blackshare have got to win their one-on-one battles when they have yes. them. Blacklock yes. is going to demand a double team every time the ball is snapped. Yes. That's going to give you a lot of one-on-one opportunities. And, and if yes. you're going to be an elite pass rusher and a Gary Patterson defense, you've got to win some of those matchups. Mm-hmm. And that just didn't happen with any consistency in, in week one. It didn't. And... It's a little frustrating because, you know, in spite of the limited snaps for a couple guys, like that's a team that you should you should be constantly yeah. pressuring yeah. their quarterback. Should have been a five or six sack game easily. Should, there, I think there were six tackles for loss. There, that's a game where you should have eight or nine. Yeah, yeah you should be pushing double digits. Uh, you should have three or four sacks. There should be multiple quarterback hurries and quarterback hits. Uh, and that didn't happen. I don't know if that was, again, because of the bland play calling, like you said, or whatever it might have been. But um, in reality, like that cannot continue going forward yeah. either, or they're going to be major issues. And, and you shouldn't need to go exotic against that team. No, you shouldn't. You should be able to line up and hit them. And that's yeah. part of the thing with the offense, too. Like You should be able to line up and just hit them in the mouth. Yeah. They didn't run the ball very well no, against Arkansas Pine all. Bluff. They didn't throw Especially the ball very in the well zone. against Arkansas Pine yeah. Bluff. They settled for too many field goals, and I know we're rehashing some stuff that we talked about last week, but if that's how it's going to be, then, yeah, there's a, there's plenty of reason yeah. for concern. You're going to go to West Lafayette and it's lose. Not like, it's not like – see, <laughs> we'll get into that in a second because I am not – I'm just not buying Purdue. I'm just not buying them. They lost to Nevada. They blew a 17-point lead in the fourth quarter. They didn't really pull away from Vanderbilt until late. We'll get into that in a second. There's obviously always potential to lose a football game. And they will lose plenty of football games this year if the offense and the defense sure. don't improve from week Absolutely. one. Absolutely. Do we want to talk about everybody's favorite thing now? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we're like morally obligated to mention the quarterback situation every week until we know what the heck's going on, right? Uh, see, this is the thing, like... It was very obvious about halfway through the last season that Gary Patterson did not want to talk about quarterback controversies. Like, he was not here for it. He didn't want anything to do with our articles or our questions in postgame about, you know, who is going to start yeah. at quarterback. The 50,000 armchair QBs that he mentioned today in his conference right? call. Yeah. But the reality of the situation is, is that until we have a definite, clear-cut starter – the questions are going to exist, and the conversation is going to take place. I don't care if they haven't separated themselves from each other. I don't care. Just say, like, Delton is the starter. Yeah. Okay. Delton is the starter. And then the conversation will shift to why is Delton the starter. Yeah. But we don't have that kind of yeah. uh, clarity yet, and so it's just going to be this up-in-the-air debate back and forth. And, and we, so, we can't look at game film and say, oh, well, it was obvious this one guy was better. I mean, we can we can take our hunch. I, well, I, I think some people can. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that there's been a good argument. That. I think I can say that. I'm not 100% ready to anoint Max Duggan as the guy this particular season. I'm definitely ready to buy What's in. What's holding you back? Um, Let's it, talk through this. Yeah, so this goes back to what I mentioned last week. It, when you have the defense that TCU has, when you have the veteran leadership on both sides of the ball, when you have guys who are likely playing their last year in purple before moving on to the NFL, 
you see freshman quarterbacks every year do really, really great things, but we haven't seen TCU recruit the kind of freshman quarterback that can go in and win 11 games. Yeah. And so I think Duggan has a chance to be that guy, but I understand the hesitation and throwing him out there to the Wolves mm-hmm. when we just don't know if he's not going to throw 16 interceptions this year. But here's the thing, like, do you take – so – we're, no, we're, we're going to rehash too much stuff if we follow this road. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I I prefer to just see what the kid has. Sure. You know, it's let it, let it be Andy yeah. Dalton's freshman year. You go eight and five, but you know you've got a guy, right? And we all know how that story ended. Sure. And by the way, uh, rumors of his demise were yeah. greatly overstated. Greatly after the game overstated. That he had. Yes, the Bengals lost. Yes, he had a hard second half. But uh, if people are blaming that Bengals loss on Andy Dalton – they're ridiculous. Yeah, you know, he, he played great. Um, so the expectation, though, and we'll hear more about this on Tuesday during Patterson's press conference, I believe, the expectation is that they are, again, going to split some time. I wouldn't be shocked at all if Delton rolls out there for the first couple of series, yeah. Duggan rolls out there for the next couple of series. Uh, my worry, though, is that if Delton gets out there and doesn't do much with the offense, are they going to stick with him too long? Yeah. And could TCU potentially be in a hole at that point? That's where I could see the Purdue game going south, is if they leave Duggan or Delton in too long and the offense just isn't clicking and the greatest receiver of all time, Rondell Moore, breaks it off a couple of times for a few TDs. Yeah, he, he's going, and we'll, I'm sure we'll spend a good part of time talking to him after our next break. Um, yes. There's a lot to say. But, um, you know, I, I think that that's the concern is, is do you risk not being able to get the offense going? We saw Delton underthrowing completions that most of us could probably make. Now we yeah. don't have, you know, 300-pound guys in our faces. But, True. Um, you know, we saw him miss some wide-open guys. We saw him make some wrong reads. And we saw his receivers not bail him out and not, not finish plays. But... Do you want that situation with a defense that you trust, or do you want Duggan and maybe he throws two early interceptions and you're in a hole that way either? I mean, that, that's kind of the that's kind of the risk-reward here. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think we're going to see both guys. Yeah. I think we'll see more of Delton than we do of Duggan, um, but I could absolutely see a scenario where Delton starts the game, comes in, struggles. Duggan comes in, leads team down the field, and then Delton becomes kind of a red zone kind of a, a package guy for the rest of that game. And if Duggan mm-hmm. can lead the Frogs to a win on the road against a Power 5 opponent, it's going to be really, really hard to take him off the field for SMU the following week. It is. It is. And when you consider that Purdue has given up an average of 357 yards through the air in their first two games, and they've played Nevada and yeah. Vanderbilt. Do you go with the guy that can slay Is it? the defense susceptible to the passing game? It sure would seem that way. And let's let's also say that we have not mentioned Michael Collins or Matthew Baldwin. I don't Both think either, have been I hurt. I don't think we're gonna. I don't think they're back yet. I don't think they're fully yeah. ready to play in a game yet. Very like Collins is probably closer than Baldwin. I think so. But I, I, don't I would think not be surprised are. if we saw Collins, but I also don't know that you're gonna throw your third string QB out there against no. a Power Five opponent on the road. No, you're not. I, it's. I mean, you're going with your guy if you have one guy. Sure. You're going with your guys if you have two. We and have so six. It's gonna be so let's see what happens. Uh, I mean, in his conference call on Monday, Patterson mentioned four. He's like, if you've got four guys, you go with four. I was like, oh, okay, but do it, we really want four? So, I don't so really want four. I when, want one. When you say four, is he knocking out of the equation the two guys who are injured, or is this the end of the Justin Rogers era as we I know, know it? I don't know. I'm not going to read into it because that would hurt me too bad yeah. at this point in time. Fair. 
Uh, and, you know, what do you do also, Melissa, with the reports that are coming out of camp this week that – camp, out of just practice this week that Delton ran the offense better than Max Duggan? They're going to say that no matter what. Is it because he's the starter? Yeah, I think he's the starter. He's the fifth-year senior. He's the experienced guy. He's the guy they want to start. Um, they are not going to leak that information against him at this point in the season. And the yeah. one thing you can say about Gary Patterson's staff is they're very, very loyal. So yes. unless you have some boosters and some donors getting onto the practice field to actually see, say what they see, mm-hmm. everything coming out is what it's going to be told. And, and we all know who, who they get that information to. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's going to report what he's told. And, and I think that's the way that, that you handle things. But mm-hmm. I don't – I think that they want that information out right now. I think it's a very purposeful leak, yeah. um, especially heading into a road game against a tough opponent. Um, yeah. You don't want there to be any controversy. And if you plan to start Alex Delton – then you say everything about how great Delton's been so that you either throw your opponent for a curveball mm-hmm. or you give Delton the confidence to go out there and play better. Does a fifth-year senior, a grad transfer, need his coaches talking about him well publicly to have confidence? I think a guy— and if that is the case, is that a red flag for you? It's not a red flag. I think when you look at the system he came out of, the way that Bill Snyder coaches, um, the, the, the way that he battled with Skylar Thompson last year, who looks like a world beater all of a sudden— um, mm-hmm. I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think they're trying to give him confidence in a new offense um, and give him opportunities to, to feel like he's the guy. And, I, again, I don't know that it's necessarily for Delton's benefit yeah. as much as it is just to get the rest of us to shut up, which We're isn't going to work, by the way. <laughs> We're not going we have, to. We have an hour-long podcast to film, Melissa. Yeah. We've got to talk about something. Dan. Yeah, like 59 it, minutes of be, it are QB controversy. It's going to be quarterbacks. At, yeah. at least a part of it is. I don't know. I mean, maybe people are worn out by it, but – it doesn't nah, seem that way it, on Twitter yet. Yeah, not, not based off of the interactions that we're having, comments. for sure. No, it doesn't. Uh, Parker Fleming, our great Stats of War guy, had a really interesting response to the news that Delton was running the offense better than Duggan. Um, and he asked the question, does that mean that we're running the wrong offense? Thoughts? I, we're not there. We'll never get to be there. Yeah. Again, I think it's. I think they're feeding information more than they're reporting information at this point out of practice. Um, I'm not going to make any judgments. I'm not going to jump on the ROC has issues play calling train until after Saturday. Okay. If if we come out there and it's opened up and it looks as creative as 2014, 2015. 2017 even yeah i'm fine by the way i went back last week in the absence of tcu football and watched the 2014 tcu oklahoma game why would you do that to yourself we won i know but why would you do that to yourself? i wanted to see because i wanted to see what the difference was in that offense versus this offense beyond just the fact that that team had Trevon Boykin and Josh Doxson and Colby Listenby and Aaron Green, Aaron Green and yeah. BJ Catalan and all of these fantastic, lovable people. Do you know what formation we came out in most of the time? Tell me more. Three wide pistol? Huh. With a fullback. I'd be down for that. I can live that life. And you know what they did in that formation? They threw the shit out of the ball. I'm sorry. This is a family, family podcast. Family show. I Jamie. said a bad word. Anyways, they they did not. They cut it loose, and maybe it was because they had confidence in their quarterback. Sure, but also that offense was very clearly yeah. geared towards. Hey, we're gonna throw this ball to our best players. 
stop it. Yeah. We're going to run the ball with our other best players. Good luck. Stop it. This that has been missing from this offense for several years now. Just this, we're going to do our thing. Bet you can't hold us down. Well, and, and with the way they threw the ball, Aaron Green still ran for almost nine hundred or almost a thousand yards. He was at nine twenty two in yeah. twenty fourteen, and that was them throwing the ball all over the place. And in that Oklahoma game, well, he only ran for twenty six yards, so that's a terrible example to use. Yeah, but he wasn't starting. Yeah, he that's didn't right. Start the first that's part right. of this season because BJ Catalan was that's the right. starter that year, and Catalan ran for a ton of yards. I do believe if you go and check that out really quick. But, you know, the, the reality of the situation is, is there somewhere along the way, the coaching staff, maybe it's coaches, maybe it's just what they've seen in practice, but the confidence level is down yeah. offensively for TCU's football program. And I don't think it should be as down as it is because realistically, like, Kenny Hill was an above-average quarterback. Yeah. He got the job done. He won 11 games in 2017. Yes, you had a lot of quarterback issues last year, but you could mitigate those in a variety of ways, and they chose, like, the most conservative way to mitigate sure. some of those issues. I don't think that the pendulum has to swing completely to, oh, my God, let's just run the triple option so we never throw the football when you have question marks at quarterback. Because if you do that, what you're saying to everyone else that you're playing is we don't have confidence in this guy if you like, if we just you're just saying we don't have confidence in this guy, and that leads to a whole host of other issues. Is is Sonny Cumbie coaching in a way that makes you think that he's trying not to draw the ire of Gary Patterson? I think he's trying to not lose his job rather than coaching to like keep his job and get an extension. And I don't think there's any reason to think that his job is in danger. I don't think so either. There, I mean, he hasn't shown us anything that's fireable at this yeah. point. Yeah. But if he continues down this road of playing hyper-conservative with his play calling and really being the most plain and vanilla predictable offense out there, then, yeah, bad things are going to happen to you if you're not putting a good product on the field. And, and again, like just to, to point this out again, we've seen one game against an FCS opponent. And we've heard... This year. This year. But, you know, we have the historical evidence sure. of 2016... Even in 2017, like, the play calling was still conservative, but it was customized to Kenny Hill's abilities. Yeah. And so you still saw some of the creativity because of his athletic abilities and his ability to throw, like, 15 yards downfield. But, but what we have differently this year is we have Gary Patterson saying he's going to get more involved in the offense, and we have Malcolm Kelly, who rumors were in the spring was bringing some of the principles of the Bryles air raid to TCU, which is more – line up your guys in simple formations and dare the defense to be better than your guys. And if we see more of that even on Saturday, then the entire narrative changes going forward. It does. Yeah, there's it's not like this is We're the guaranteed path that we're going down. But this is just what the evidence has presented sure. itself to be at this point. Sure. Like you said, it's one week into the season. There's a lot of football left to be played. And we could very well see a TCU football team that goes out there and hangs 50 on Purdue, and then next week on this podcast we're saying, hey, look, let's, yeah. extend, let's, let's extend Sonny Cumbie. So, yeah, it's completely different. Let's pay, them all, let's pay them all money like the Cowboys are paying all their players money. Uh, and we kind of hinted at this already. This is my last question before we get to our next break. Does TCU need the Kellen Moore treatment? I mean, if you mean go find a young, up-and-coming guy who nobody thinks can do the job, who comes out in week one and just blows everyone's doors off. Okay. 
All I mean, right. I, I think you <laughs> All right. I, I think I think you, you made a really, really good point earlier when you talked about just doing some simple things, adding some motion before going yeah. to your bread and butter plays, um, making defenses make decisions, giving your quarterback an opportunity to see how the defense is going to react based on that motion. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about completely reinventing this offense. We're not talking about going to the complete wide open frog grade that we saw in 2014. Right. We're talking about using a little bit more creativity, a little bit more movement, taking advantage of the rules in college football and letting it be easier for your quarterbacks to make decisions yeah. because you've let the defense react to something first. That's all it takes. I mean, you would be shocked at how how productive an offense can be if you just put Jalen Rager in space and give him the balls eight yards downfield, yeah. eight yards downfield. Put Tate Barber in space, ten yards downfield, and get him the football. Sure, right? It's not like a, a wide open offense doesn't require a quarterback to con- constantly throw it forty yards downfield. It just requires a quarterback to get the ball to guys in space. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like this offense is even, like, doing that at this point. And that's really kind of the frustrating part. Yeah, that, that, that's and, the and thing. And if you watched the Cowboys game on Sunday afternoon, too, what you saw was, I mean, the screen to Zeke is a screen that Cowboys fans have seen a thousand yeah. times in the last three seasons. Randall Cobb running a slant over the middle. Amari Cooper running a slant, like a deeper-ish post over Michael the middle. Michael Gallup with Michael that Gallup. one. Ugh, yeah. Like, those are routes that Cowboys wide receivers have been running for years. Under Linehan and under Garrett when he was still the OC, under Sean Payton when he was the OC. The difference is in the little kind of things that they're doing tactically to draw the defense's eyes away from those things. And if you just do some of those little things, I mean, that can happen at the college level too. We see it in the creativity that Oklahoma has. We see it in the creativity that Ohio State has. We see it in the creativity that even schools like Penn State have. Why can't that happen at TCU? Well, and we have that guy. We have that guy who was Lincoln Riley, who was one of those up-and-coming coordinators, who was Cliff Kingsbury. Sonny Cumbie is not that far removed from being that next gen from from Texas flying him down and begging him to come work for them. Yeah. Do so think, he needs to get back to being him. So this is this is my next question then. Do you think this is a product of Sonny Cumbie not being as creative as we have thought he was? Or I'm gonna tread on holy ground here. Do you think this is Gary Patterson in his ear? saying you need to do this my way i feel like when they handed cumby the keys and they picked him over meacham that patterson says it'll be your show and that's then not when what we've heard from him so far this year though but then when it didn't work out the way that he had thought okay. he came back around and said you weren't quite ready for prime time so at the end of the day the the thing that made patterson successful as they turned into the Big 12, was him hiring guys that he thought could do their jobs and letting them go do their jobs. Mm-hmm. Meacham and Cumbie worked because he got out of the room. Because yeah. he went back to focusing on his defense. And he had offensive coordinators who could make things happen. And he talked about that this offseason. He shuffled around the coaching uh, positions because he was spending too much time coaching position groups and not enough time seeing the defense with wide eyes. Yeah. See, he was he was getting caught with the trees and missing the forest. Okay. And so he, he his whole intention this year was to go back to seeing the entire forest. And now he's stuck looking at the trees again. And he's, he's either got to say – Cumbie's either got to prove that he's ready for this and he can handle it and he can do this, 
or I mean, that's really what it comes down to is, is, is Cumbie going to take the reins and, and get back to being the confident, innovative play caller that made the Frogs so stinking hard to defend in 2014 and 2015 and to some degree 2017? Or is he quietly, constantly looking at the, for the tap on the shoulder? And you can't, like it's with any position, you cannot, co- you cannot coach well, you cannot work well, you cannot be successful in any job that you do when you're always worried about who's watching you. You just got to go yeah. out and do your best. And, and it's either good enough or it's not. And, and I do believe in Sonny Cumbie. I, I do think he's got the, the capability to be innovative and different and unique and to be successful in TCU's offense. He just needs to go and do it. Okay. So let's, let's see what happens Saturday. Let's see what happens Saturday. We're going to take another quick break, and then we will be back to talk about what to expect from Purdue on Saturday night. All right, we are back, and we are here at the Punchbowl Social live show Frogs of War podcast. This is a really cool place at 1100 Folk Street in the West 7th District of Fort Worth. It's We're a really yeah. cool little spot. Uh, I love this place, Melissa, not only because it's got a ton of ton of drink options and food options that are high quality, but it's got shuffleboard. It's yeah. got ping pong. It's got mini bowling. It's got a small arcade, and it has a literal full room of board games and card games and other kinds of things that you can just you can come you can get a high top table for eight people you can pull a couple board games off the shelf and you can eat and drink and play for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours here's a really cool spot the super cool part about this is that we're over here podcasting your two small children are here yes completely entertained running playing shouting doing anything except listen to dad which is frankly the norm honestly um but the grown-ups can sit and drink. The kids can go have a good time. Everybody's entertained. Very, very family-friendly. Uh, they mm-hmm. host events. Uh, they do fundraisers, all kinds of cool stuff. This is something you may not know. Punchbowl Social is actually the official game-watching party for ga- away games for TCU fans this I season. did not know that, but that yeah, is awesome. Yeah, I just learned that before we went on. Um, they're going to be If you're wearing your TCU gear, happy hour specials the entire time. Super cool thing. They are making a purple punch, a Horn Frog purple punch specifically for TCU fans on game days. I like so it. Saturday, if you won't be in it's West Lafayette. Delicious. Yeah, if you won't be in West Lafayette, I will be in West Lafayette. Very excited. Uh, but if you will I'm not be there, uh, come here, Punchable Social, check it out. Great uh, food, drink specials, and a purple punch that will certainly be delightful. I, Plus, you can bring the kids. I won't be in Western Lafayette. So you may so be I'll, here probably just be at the punch bowl social. so come meet jamie i don't know if that makes you want to be here or not be here but Ooh, either way i probably shouldn't have said that yeah that might they may turn people around and you can bring i'll buy your drink i'll buy a drink from you they'll buy you. a drink from you it's perfect yes. don't bring your own drinks to punch bowl don't bring your own drinks that. i'll maybe get you a water how about that perfect uh, let's talk about purdue melissa because i have heard on twitter the greatest that rondell moore wide receiver for the purdue boilermakers is the best wide receiver that TCU will have ever faced. He's the best in history, as far as I can tell. On the history of the planet. Did you know that he was one of three ever true freshman All-Americans? Did you know that he is so fast? Did you know that he is, like, second in college football this year in yards after catch? Did you know he was the number one receiver in the country? And that their quarterback was the number one quarterback in the country? I did. Because people uh, that are fans of Purdue have been telling me this on Twitter for several days now. Yeah. And I finally decided to respond to one person and say, look, 
I understand your love for your fast wide receiver because I know my own love for our fast wide receiver and Jalen Rager. And I have no doubt because I have watched and watched and watched as much Rondell Moore as I can, um, especially over this past weekend. And he's a really, really good wide receiver. He's outstanding. He is on the verge, I think, of being an elite college football yeah, wide receiver. Yeah, absolutely. All praise to Rondell Moore. But TCU football in the past six years has played, and this is a partial list, has played the following wide receivers in a football game of football. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm going to have some stats to back you up on this, too, by the way. They have played Sterling Shepard, current number one wide receiver for the New York Giants. That's not saying a whole lot, but still. They have played Hollywood Brown. Lit it up. I don't know. In his first NFL game for the Baltimore Ravens, had 150 yards receiving and two touchdowns because he's really slow. They have played the number one and the number two wide receivers for the Cleveland Browns, Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. They have played the reigning best wide receiver in college football from Oklahoma State, Tylen Wallace. They have played Hakeem Butler. They have played James Washington. They have played Josh Gordon. They have played Terrence Williams, CeeDee Lamb, Kiki Kuti. The list goes on. Corey Coleman, Kevin White from West Virginia, Gary Jennings from West Virginia. Dennis Mims. What is it? Mims? Denzel, Denzel Mims Denzel from Mims. Baylor. The, if you're going to talk to someone who follows Big 12 football about your wide yeah. receiver being the best wide receiver our team has ever faced, you better come with more than he was a true freshman yeah. All-American. Yeah, I get it. Adrian Peterson and Herschel Walker are the only other two unanimous true freshman All-Americans in the history of college football. Guess what? TCU's played Adrian Peterson, too. They held him to 22 carries for 63 yards and a touchdown and two receptions for seven yards when they played him in 2005. That's 2.9 yards per carry. They've seen elite talent before. It's not like we're going to be overwhelmed when we go into West Lafayette. Like, oh, my God, they have Rondell Moore. We might as well just go home. Aren't we supposed to call him Rondale? Oh, Rondale. Yes, I'm sorry. I (laughs) forgot my uh, pit bull hat at home, and I forgot to shave my head. I just, yes, he's, he's an incredible wide receiver. He had 1,200 yards receiving and 12 receiving touchdowns as a true freshman. That's phenomenal. He's got, like, f- close to 400 yards receiving in two games this year. That's really, really good. The only team that shut him down is Western Michigan. Oh, that's what I was getting to. Thank you for saying that out loud. It's not like he's infallible. And, by the way, most of those wide receivers that I listed had really bad games against can, TCU. Can we can we list a couple of those? Let's do it, please. Cortland Sutton. You did not list him. I did Should it. have listed him. Excellent wide Starting receiver. Starting wide receiver for the Denver Broncos. One reception, zero yards in 2017 against Steph Gladney. Uh, Tylen Wallace. Yes. Oklahoma State last season. Uh-huh. Four receptions, 64 yards, zero touchdowns. Okay, perfect. In a must-win game when TCU was down to, like, two healthy defensive starters. Grayson Muelstein. Uh, let's go with, uh, should we go with Jalen Hurd? Sure. Uh, four receptions, 68 yards. Pretty good game. Tell me Denzel Mims. One reception, 27 yards. Tell me Tristan Ebner. Three receptions, 26 yards. Tell me Chris Platt. Three receptions, 29 yards. You okay. know what else none of those guys did? Got Before in the end zone. Down. Not a single one of them is Baylor last year. And, and remind you, this is a TCU team that was down to the dregs defensively 
four guy, 40 guys missed at least four games. Yes. 20 guys out for the season. 24 yes. guys out for the season. Uh, yes. CeeDee Lamb, really good receiver. Five yard, five receptions, 91 yards, touchdown. Great. Uh-huh. Marquise Brown, who just lit up the NFL with a running back, according to most pundits, throwing him the football. Last year in a game that Oklahoma won easily. He was a non-factor. Five receptions, 41 yards, long of 15. They can shut down great receivers. Oh, Iowa State. They have a guy that most people have heard of, Hakeem Butler. He's uh, on the IR right now, but was like a third Green Bay, yeah, pick. and he's playing for Green Bay. Two receptions. Uh, Cardinals, Arizona Cardinals. Nope, he got cut and he went to Green Bay. Okay. We're fine. Uh, two receptions, fine. 14 yards. And then he was a dominant college wide receiver. And the last one that I will give you, uh, this is um, I don't. Uh, this is Ohio State. Okay, Ohio yeah. State had some really good receivers. Uh, Terry McLaurin for Ohio St- uh, for the Baltimore Ravens. No, sorry, for the Washington Redskins had a really big first half on Sunday afternoon. Three receptions, 29 yards against TCU. Okay. And uh, just okay. really didn't do a whole- so. So look. What about Paris Campbell? How did he do that game? I. Two receptions, 66 yards, and a touchdown. He had a pretty good game. But but, but he, one of those went for 63. So screen, the other one went yard. for three, yeah. Okay. Um, so, so the, look, Gary Patterson's greatest joy in life is taking away the thing you love the most. Mm-hmm. He's had an extra week to prepare for this game. Yes. If you were to tell me that Rondell Moore had 115 yards and a touchdown, I would tell you that TCU probably won by double digits. Probably. It's going, he's going to get his, but this is a uh, Purdue offense that doesn't run the ball very well, and I mm-hmm. can guarantee you that Patterson's going to make sure that Saturday is not their breakthrough game. Well, they lost their starting running back for the season. The, We're going to get into it in a second about Elijah Sindelar, who is a really good quarterback. Yeah, sure. But suffered a concussion because he was in the game for some reason still in the late minutes of the, the Vanderbilt game last Lined week. Lined up behind the left guard on a snap. Uh, yeah, because he has a concussion. And probably shouldn't play on Saturday. Get well, Elijah. Here, here's the Get thing well. about Elijah. Um, Patterson's defenses have always performed less good against quarterbacks that can run. Mm-hmm. Elijah Sindelar is not that guy. And neither is his backup, Jack Plummer, a redshirt freshman from Arizona, who was a three-star kid. He's 6'5", like 215 pounds, has a cannon for an arm. Yeah. Has no college experience, really, to this point. Um, but he has a pretty good offer sheet, and he will be the guy that plays. Uh, Jeff Brom has already said it's going to be Plummer if Sindelar can't go. He held offers from Arizona, from Boise State, offers from Oregon State and South Carolina. And then after that, uh, it's a bunch of group of five schools like Memphis and Colorado State and Cincinnati. Um, not a terrible offer list yeah, there. He, he has a chance to have a really good game but if he's the guy that really, goes. Do you really want to put your faith in a, in a freshman quarterback against a Gary Patterson-led TCU defense that has all of its weapons still? Yeah. yeah. Like, none of these guys are hurt except for Julius Lewis. And, yeah, that's a big loss. But, hey, Keon Stewart awesome. showed us a lot on, he was awesome. on Saturday. And and you can tell that Gladney and, and Ennis Gaines and those guys are really invested in coaching and him up. He's he's has everybody in his ear in a really positive way. Yeah, and they talked highly about him after the football game, too. Yeah, so, yeah he had that one busted coverage. Sure. He's a true freshman. That's going to happen. You know. Look, it's and, and the thing, good. we're not going to see – Gladney or Stewart line up one-on-one on Rondell Moore. We're probably going to see a lot of Ennis Gaines, but but what we are going to see is a lot of Gary Patterson trying to mix things up, especially uh-huh. if it's a redshirt freshman coming in. You're going to see a lot of zones. You're going to see a lot of shifting coverages. You also have two basically safeties playing linebacker, and against a team that can't run the ball very well, yeah. that's screaming for the Horn Frogs to have success on the defensive side of the ball. Do you remember so, that, you remember that uh, story we heard out of TCU yeah. practice before yep. the Arkansas Pine Bluff game? 
about Kendrick Van Zant, who got moved from safety to linebacker, and he's the starting linebacker alongside Garrett Wallow for the Frogs. And there was a couple times in practice right after he moved from safety to linebacker where he was responsible for Jalen Rager, and he went step for step with him downfield on a full sprint. Yeah. Like, Jeff Gladney is one of the fastest yeah. people in college football. Yeah, four three four or something, 40. We're going to be fine. Yeah. Uh, Rondale look, Moore might get his. Rondale Moore is going to – Rondale Moore is going to Dale get his. is going to get his. going to get his. In but, some way. Maybe. Maybe not. He might have five catches for 50 yards. Who knows? But don't come at me on Twitter and say he's the greatest thing of all time because he was an All-American as a true freshman sure. and then ignore logic and, and reason. Yeah. From there on out, it's he, just not gonna. It's not gonna do you well. He he's gonna do good things, but at the end of the day, can he do enough with not a lot of support anywhere else on the offensive side of the ball to get Purdue a win? That's really the question. So, give me your keys to the game for TCU on Saturday. Don't turn it over. Okay. I mean that the, the frogs were sloppy and they couldn't convert in the red zone. Um, they they had a lot of of issues. But at the end of the day, um, they held on to the football most of the time, except when they fumbled it all over the place. So they got most of those back. That's fine. Um, If if the quarterbacks don't throw an interception for a second straight game, I feel really good about the the final tally here on the scoreboard. Uh, Yeah, I would also say get pressure on the quarterback. Whether it's Sindelar or Plummer, get pressure. Make them make throws. uh, Make them make quick decisions. Uh, Because Sindelar, by my observations of what I've, I've watched by the way before Purdue fans get really uppity with me I watched the entire Nevada game I watched the entire Vanderbilt game I feel like I am owed something at this point sure. for watching those sure. two games in their entirety fair and yes Sindelar is a very good quarterback he also had years to make his decisions yeah. and his reads and process what was happening and, and their offensive line is an elite it's fine yeah it's a fine offensive line it's a Big Ten offensive line. Like, it's not an it's, awful yeah, they're huge collection bodies. of guys. Yeah. They're big bodies. They kind of know what they're doing. Like, that's fine. But if TCU can get pressure and force them into quick decisions, if they can take away Rondell Moore enough, I have no, I have, I have no stress about this game Yeah. if those things happen. Yeah. And, and that's like, you, th- this is a game where you've got to go get in the backfield. This guy is not going to run. He, he does not have a lot of success with his legs. That, that yeah. has been the Achilles heel with the way that, that the four two five works. And so if they can get pressure, if they can make him make decisions, they've got a great shot to keep him on his toes and, and, and to make bad things happen. Yeah. Also, I just want to give a shout-out really quickly to at underscore Nick Picks on Twitter for coming to my rescue uh, in my argument with this Purdue fan. He said, I don't know much about Nevada. It's been a while since I've followed a group of five team. I did see that Oregon managed to put up 77 against them, so that team must be full of All-Americans. By the way, that's a tangent to an Oregon tweet where they claimed maybe it was just, like, too vague of a tweet, but they said that that was the most touchdowns or most points scored in the modern era of football, 77. They must not remember 2013 or 2014 when TCU scored. 82. 82. Yeah. Ran out of fireworks. Texas Tech. Big fireworks go boom. And on a fireworks tangent, did you see that, was it Kent State? That was terrible. Canceled a a women's field hockey game for men's fireworks. And did you see the fireworks? Yep. It was confetti. It was like one of those... Uh, little boxes you get at the fireworks store and you like light the fuse on the box and then like six fireworks fly up into the air 
and it's like 12 seconds of fireworks. And, and this wasn't even a game that was canceled. It was a game that was stopped in the middle of. Oh, it was stopped in overtime, right? Because yeah. they... They uh, wanted to make sure the game started on time. Yes. That's it. Awesome. Cool. Thanks, guys. And, and the last key, like we said, Rondell Moore's going to get his. He can't get so much of his that he single-handedly beats TCU. He, yeah. that's He's not going to single-handedly beat TCU. No. That's the key. That's not going to happen. Is he, is he going to get 100 yards receiving? Maybe. Probably. Yeah. Is he going to get two touchdowns receiving? If we, hold, if we hold him to one, TC wins. I don't know. If we hold him to two, TC, maybe it's 50-50 in my opinion. Purdue is one and one. Yeah. It's not like there have been world beaters in their first True. two games. And they were eight and eight and five last year? Six and seven. Six and I seven. I think Purdue had a losing record at the end of last year. I'm going to Google it right now to make sure that I'm not lying to you, the valued listener. Uh, they were, come on, internet, six and seven. Six and seven. Oh, wow. Five and so, four okay. in the Big Ten. Yeah. They, let's see here. But they had that big win. Started three. They lost to Northwestern, Eastern Michigan, and Missouri. Eastern Michigan, the shutdown kings over on Delmore. The and only team that's ever slowed the them down. team. They then went on a four-game winning streak to beat Boston College, Nebraska, Illinois, and that random win over Ohio State. Then they promptly lost to Michigan State, beat Iowa, and then lost to Minnesota and Wisconsin, beat Indiana, and then lost to Auburn in the Music City Bowl. Six and seven. Got worked by Auburn in the Music City Bowl. 63 to 14, as a matter of fact. So, look, at the end of the day, I look at this game and I see two evenly matched teams for very different reasons. You have Purdue that has one of the top two best players on the field in, in Rondell Moore, probably. It, it's him, and it's probably Rager, and they're yeah. probably 1A and 1B. Yeah. It's, it, Purdue fans don't know anything about Jalen Rager, and that's fine. Like, that's okay. I don't expect you guys to know that. You will after Saturday night. You will. Um, but you will. But it's, it's do you take Jeff Brom's offensive genius or Gary Patterson's defensive genius? Which of those two units steps up and makes more plays? And it's going to – TCU's got to come out and force turnovers. Uh-huh. They've got to get pressure on the backfield, mm-hmm. and they have to make sure that while Rondale Moore probably will have himself at Rondale Moore game, that nobody else does anything close to that. That's that's going to be the difference maker in this in Saturday night's game. I absolutely agree. So let's get to some predictions. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so we're going to start though with the rest of the Big Twelve. Kansas goes to Boston College on Friday night. Let's Boston go. Boston College is two and zero. My sister is a, is an Eagle at grad school. My brother in law is an Eagle in undergrad. That's you know they're on the list. There, it's going to roll. And it's Kansas on the road. It's Kansas on the road. Yikes. Yeah. Big yikes. Boston College wins that game. West Virginia hosts NC State. I don't know when West Virginia gets their first win, but it's not going to be this uh, weekend. Week one against James Madison. Oh, yeah. When they get their second win. <laughs> when they get their first Power Five win. We'll call it that. Fair. They did yeah. have a brutal schedule this year, too. They really do. It's not do. great. It's terrible. It's not great, but, uh, yeah, I think NC State wins that game. Very interesting matchup. Yeah. Kansas State goes to Mississippi State, two 2-0 two teams. Kansas State has dominated lesser opponents. Mississippi State has been meh against lesser opponents. Who wins this game? This is the litmus test. I mean, we've seen Kansas State look ridiculous, and every year we see a Power 5 team look like absolute dominating world beaters against mm-hmm. lesser opponents. We get really, really excited about like them. they lose to Vanderbilt. Yeah. <laughs> so, I... I this is a game that if Kansas State wants to be taken for real, they have to go in and win this game on the road in Stark, Stark Vegas, and I think they do it. I do too. Ema, every man a wildcat, which is, I don't know, what about the women? 
right? Women can be wildcats. <laughs> Anyways, Oklahoma State travels to Tulsa. It's fine. Question? Yeah, Spencer, Spencer Sanders looks really, really good. Um, good for them for going to Tulsa. That, that's nice for them to do for the in-state program. Mm-hmm. I respect it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, probably nice little recruiting opportunity for absolutely. them. Absolutely. Hey, Tulsa, you want to host a ton of recruits for this game? Yeah. So we, they can watch us wail on you? Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma travels to UCLA, and the Sooners are only 17-point favorites. Yeah, if, if I bet on sports, which I do not, this would be uh, – I'd be, I'd be taking the – I might put a substantial amount yeah, of money on Yeah, a lot of game. money on this game. A substantial sure. amount of money. Texas goes to Rice. Letdown game after the letdown game? Nah, easy, no. easy win over there. Oh, now, it may be close as a for food and as quarter. a football team. Oh, whoa, whoa, I'm a big fan of the Rice food. Um, I, I think this is close for a quarter. And then it ends with Ellinger sitting on the bench laughing about something. Probably. Yeah. Texas Tech goes to Arizona. Kevin Sumlin, is he going to get fired this year? He might. Uh, the Red Raiders, we have not been paying a lot of attention to them. I've seen a lot of, like, detail critiquing on social media, which probably means they've been playing pretty good. They're if, fine. If they're complaining about Bowman's they're accuracy fine. on the deep Bowman bowl. Bowman is fine. Yeah. They're going to beat Arizona. Yeah. It's all fine They'll be for fine. Texas Tech fans. And oh, so pumped! We have so pumped a gift from the football gods. Ames, Iowa, going be great. Is getting game day. There will be no Natty Light in that entire state, and not in the entire Midwest. By the time that the, those guys take yeah. the stage at nine o'clock yeah. Central Time, Bush Light, Natty Light, none of it. Gone. It's all gone. All of the beer will be consumed. But give me Iowa. Ooh. I am very loyal to my friend Levi. I know you are. And I think Iowa State wins going away in this game. I think two scores minimum. Okay. I don't see it. I Look. We really should be keeping track of these, by the way. Probably. I can go mark them down at some point. Uh, I've had a beer and a half, though, so who knows if that's going to happen. But Iowa State went to... Triple overtime with Northern Iowa. Then they had a bye week. Yeah. So they've had two weeks to prepare for Iowa. They've had two weeks to think about but that, But in too. that time span, Iowa absolutely demolished their week one appoint- sure. ap- appointment. Opponent. Yes, also that. And then they, I mean, it's Rutgers, but they won 30 to nothing over Rutgers on Saturday. And Rutgers is trash, but okay. Rutgers is trash, Sure. But they've got the McCarter, McLean Carter kid from yeah, Texas Tech as their great. quarterback. Yeah. They were slinging it all over week one. They won going away week one. They, I, and they didn't even score a single point against Iowa. I'm, I'm just saying, I feel strongly, A, that McLean Carter was not very good. B, that... I think there needs to be more McLean Carter love in this world. I think he's fine. Do you know that Texas Tech being? has another McLean? Do they really? Yeah. I think it's a law now. Um, no, I, I think that Ames is going to be lit. I think that that's a, that's a really, really tough stadium to play in at night. Tonight well, game, correct? Look, it is. I hope I'm wrong. I would be yeah. totally content with an Iowa State this, win. I think that would go a long way for the Big 12 if on the same day TCU took down mighty Purdue and Iowa State beat Iowa. There would be no doubt in my mind or the minds of anyone across the country who the Superior Conference was if those two games went in favor of I'm telling you right now it's happening. Okay. And neither are going to be – they're going to be close. TC Purdue is going to be closer than Iowa-Iowa State. I'll say that. I think the exact opposite. All right. It's on. I think Iowa's going to win, but 
I think... Oh, we'll get to this question in a second. Sorry, I got distracted by Facebook. Um, first of all, I think Iowa wins this game. I think it's a close match, but I think Iowa wins this game. There are no ranked versus ranked yeah. games in college football. Thanks this, for nothing, Stanford. So we're not going to bother with going yeah. out of conference. I looked. I was like, mm, maybe we could do Alabama, South Carolina. Ooh, no. Not really. That's no. not worth our time. So we're only sticking with the Big 12 games this week. Which gets us to the TCU-Purdue game. You have Iowa State winning big over Iowa. I have Iowa eking out a win in Ames. We both, I think, at this point have TCU beating Purdue. You think TCU-Purdue is going to be close? Yeah, Why? I do. Um, I think this defense is legit. I think they're elite. I think they can slow Purdue down enough. I don't think this offense is capable of putting up 30 points on the road tonight. Okay. And so I'm looking at something around a 19 to 13 or 19 to 17 game. Oh, that's such bad football. But right? I'm here. I'm here for all of it. As long I'm as the frogs are on top, I'm here. But I, I think it's going to be a grinded out defensive play makes the difference kind of kind of game. And I think it's going to be a safety in the fourth quarter that changes everything. Because I don't know if you it's know this, but it's a three o'clock afternoon game. Oh, okay. Well, it's, they'll be real drunk by three o'clock. <laughs> so They're opening drunk. the gates at five a.m. for a game day, so we're fine. Um, I think that. Uh, I think they, that it's, I mean, what are they going to drink from noon to three? They're going to be sober because there's not going to be any beer left. If, <laughs> corn whiskey. <laughs> okay. Lots of corn whiskey. Um, no, I, I think that, that this is gonna, there's going to be a moment, and what, the one thing we have not talked about is Jordy Sandy. And I have a feeling he's a difference maker in this game. Saturday I hope night. so. I would love for that to be the case. I would love for Jordan Sandy to be a difference maker insofar as he never has to step on the football field because TCU's offense is just scoring. If scoring that happens, scoring drinks scoring. are on me next week. Uh, you heard it here, folks. Drinks are on Melissa here at the Punch Bowl Social. Always. Always. Anyways. I think TCU is going to win. I think TCU is going to win by a score of 38 to 20. Wow. Because I think Rondell Moore gets his. I think he gets 95 to 105 receiving yards. I think he scores a touchdown. But I think that nothing else Purdue does on offense works. I think they grind out a late touchdown to make it look closer than it is. And I think we see a little bit of creativity after a bye week two weeks to prepare for Purdue's offense or Purdue's defense. Um, I think this is the game where Max Duggan shows out. Wow. And we see a clear number one starter okay. for TCU moving forward. I'm here for it. Uh, and I think Jalen Rager establishes himself as one of the top tier wide receivers na- in the in the national perspective. Like TCU fans and most Big 12 fans, I think, would agree yeah. at this point that Jalen Rager is an elite wide receiver. Well, but I think nationally, he's still very underrated and under the radar. And I think this Purdue game is an opportunity for him to show out a little bit. Well, he's definitely been making tweets that tell me that he's paying attention to the narrative right now and all the things. Yeah, that and you tagged him in that weird comment that yeah, we got on our website. Sorry, sorry, Rager, but also not sorry at all. Not sorry because bulletin board material is valuable yeah. in a lot of different ways. Yeah. All right, so we both have TCU beating Purdue. We have made our other Big 12 picks. I think that will do it. Do we have a question? Oh, we did have a question. You're right. We had a couple of questions. Um, will it be a Cheez-It Bowl score? No. It won't be a Cheez-It Bowl score. It won't score. be that bad, but I see it being a defensive battle for uh, sure. Uh, it possibly, yeah. Um, Purdue looks tough. Can TCU throw? 
Yes, I think TCU throws the football much better than they did in week one. Uh, I think that some strategy and some practice and just extra reps, I think that all helps out this squad. Uh, is Wes Harris going to play this week? haven't heard any reason that he's not, but... Yeah, I mean... He's still obviously coming back from injury. Yeah, I think. I but think I he think the, the bye week. I think he. I think yeah. he plays. Also, interesting note that get, uh, about the offensive line. Um, Anthony McKinney is not going to be the left tackle starting against Purdue because Quasi White, Quasi White, uh, has just beaten him out yeah. for the position to this point. Yeah, he's they been were, great. They were about neck and neck. McKinney got hurt. White won the job while he was hurt, and then they, since McKinney has been back from injury. They haven't seen enough to go back to him. So quasi white sophomore, the kid from Washington. Yeah. Locking it down at left yeah. tackle for Did, the frogs. Speaking of Washington, Cal beats Washington on the road. At three thirty in the morning. At three thirty in the morning, yeah. That's a Brutal. good for our good for our friends the Golden Bears. Who we play next year. Yes. In week two on my birthday. Just throwing that out there. All if right. anyone wants and to celebrate thirty one night. Yes, right? yeah. If anyone wants to celebrate with me in Berkeley, here for it. Uh yeah, so we should go. To that game, yeah, for sure. For All right, sure. mark it down. Frogs of War live will be tailgate. present at yeah, the TCU on the road. Cal Road game in Berkeley, California. It'll be a super cheap, inexpensive trip. Guys. Yeah, it's we'll fine. do it. You guys we'll can all stay at my parents' house. It's fine. There's a wine cellar there. It's all that matters. All We're right, in. I'm in. Here. I am in. Last question for the night: When will we stop trying to get the next Boykin and find a decent quarterback? I think we've got a couple. I think we have on six right yeah. now. Yeah, look, uh, let's. I know that everybody wanted to complain about how we've only had one good quarterback in our history, but it's just not. The, it's just not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have Max Duggan, a super highly touted guy. Uh, Matthew Baldwin is another guy who I think was a four-star recruit. Uh, th- there are options on this team. It's just a matter of identifying the right guy and turning the reins over to him. I think we're going to see that happen by the uh, by the Iowa State game. I think we're going to see it happen by Purdue. I think I've already gone on record as saying that. We do have a couple of questions here on Twitter as well. I forgot about those. Let's get to those really quickly. Uh, what kind of performance would Delton have to have in order for TCU fans to stop asking for Duggan? 300 yards passing and three touchdowns. I think TCU, I think TCU wins and, and, and moves the ball, and we're fine. Like if, I, if they if they score four or five touchdowns and they move the ball consistently, then I think people will leave him alone. Yes, I think that as well, but I don't think that happens. Yeah, I don't either. Okay. All right, y'all. This is it for the Frogs of War podcast. It's been uh, a little bit longer of a show, but sorry for not yeah. being sorry. Yeah. And, because we did a lot. We covered a lot of ground. And Social has been an awesome host. Um, we the will let you guys hosts. know as soon the as we know hosts. the date for the next live show. Uh, please come out here and hang out with us. Love talking to y'all. Love getting live questions. Don't even mind the heckling on occasion. So no. this is an awesome, awesome venue. Definitely want to check it out, uh, whether it's for the live show next month or just to come yeah, have a Saturday at the watch party. Don't let, don't let, yeah, next live show be the next time that you get out to Punchbowl Social. Come here for the live for the game on Saturday when we watch TCU take down Purdue. Be here in the middle of the week for their incredible happy hour specials. Uh, come and just. Bring your friends and play shuffleboard. Pick yeah. a board game. Play mini bowling. Like, they have the most legit mini bowling lanes that I have ever seen yeah, in my life. super cool. Come have a great beer on tap. Yeah. They've got a wonderful liquor selection, wonderful wine selection. Um, and just be present. And the cool thing is, also about this place, is, like, my family can be here with my young kids, and it doesn't feel like we're out of place. Yeah. Because we're, it's not like a bar vibe. Yeah. It's like... I described this the other day off 
uh, the air as like a very hipstery, low key Dave and Buster's. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a fair assessment. Like it's but got way, like the mini bowling, way better. Like, okay, <laughs> you know my love for the D's and B's. But yeah, no, this place is freaking awesome, and you need to get to Punchbowl yeah. Social. Cool. We'll see you out there. This has been the Frogs of War podcast. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can check out all of our stuff on frogswar.com. Make sure that you subscribe, rate, and review to the Frogs of War podcast on iTunes. We are now also on Spotify. So if you want to follow us there, that would be really stinking awesome. Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever podcasts are found, you can access the Frogs of War podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. We love you. We love your ears. We love that you listen every week. Thank you for, you know, by listening, supporting this little project that we have because it's always so much fun to keep talking about TCU football. I am Jamie Plunkett. I'm Melissa Chibwasser. Talk to you next week. Go Go Frogs. Frogs.